Welcome to episode number 155, Breaking Down and Building Up. I am your host, Damon Soka. First of all, I will apologize for my lack of episodes over the last few weeks. My autoimmune illness had reached a breaking point, and with that breaking point came a myriad of health issues, which caused some employment issues and ultimately caused a serious rebound of depression and anxiety. It has been some time since I have experienced such a deep episode, and even with all my understanding, training, and knowledge of the subject, I couldn't see it until it was imminently upon me. The Lord has caused me to pass through several breaking points over the last few months. For me, breaking points are those moments when you feel totally lost and out of control. It feels as though the illness is pushing you beyond your boundaries, and you can't seem to find any way forward. You cry out to what feels like darkness and emptiness, and you truly feel completely and entirely lost as to your life. I have struggled deeply over the last few months trying to find something to grasp, something to hold, as it feels like the ground under my feet is crumbling, or at least was crumbling. There have been several moments when I have asked for death rather than continue with what I was feeling and experiencing. Now, I blamed much of my problems upon the pain of my autoimmune disease, rather than see that the autoimmune problems were creating a much larger concern with my mental health. I was only attempting to address the immune illness, rather than treat both the mental health concerns and the autoimmune disease. That is actually important to understand. Many of us deal with other illnesses and outside concerns that affect our mental health. We tend to focus on those outside issues only, rather than treat both our outside contributing causes and the mental health concerns. If you continue, as I did, to treat only the medical condition, the outside stress will eventually catch up with you. Now, I am doing very much better now, as I have returned to some medication that is treating both the pain of the autoimmune and the depression and the anxiety. The question for me over the last several weeks as I have recovered is, why did I wait so long to treat the mental health concern? What is it about mental health that causes us to reach a breaking point, or several of them, before we obtain help? As I have thought about it, for me it really comes down to just a few simple things. The first is a concentrated effort on my part to bring my autoimmune illness under management and control. I hyper-focused on the autoimmune disease, treating symptoms and regulating medications, diet, and exercise. I attributed all my physical symptoms to this one disease, rather than stepping back to see that the immune problem was probably causing a more significant issue with my mental health. Like most people, I tend to see physical manifestations of symptoms as a physical problem. We're conditioned to look for the flu, COVID, or other physical ailments, rather than understand that mental health symptoms can also mimic physical symptoms. And so we must we well so we and so we make assumptions about what is causing our tiredness, weakness, muscle aches, stomach and digestive issues, and our foggy brain. We associate physical problems with physical ailments. That was really my first problem. Many of my symptoms were mental health related rather than autoimmune related. My second problem was one that most of us that that is most difficult to face for most of us. 
mental illness changes our emotional reality at such a slow pace that it is almost impossible to see the changes from day to day. Even if we have larger changes, what we feel now is real, and we really can't compare our feelings today to those of yesterday. We have no real way to compare them because we would need to be able to feel both states simultaneously, and that simply isn't possible. The best indicator of these issues more often are individuals who are close to you and can outwardly see the changes in behavior. But they also need to be aware. Many times the outward manifestations are subtle changes, not large emotional swings. And because they have the same tendencies that we do to attribute physical signs to physical illness, they might also miss the cues necessary to provide support and help. In my case, psoriatic arthritis and my other autoimmune issues can mimic several symptoms that can also be attributed to mental health. The tiredness or lack of energy, pain, foggy brain, insomnia are all symptoms that coexist between my illnesses. Because of my previous history, I should have been very aware of the crossover between the two. But again, I think in some ways it is easier to focus on a physical illness rather than a mental one. I also think that doctors have been trained to focus their attention far more on the physical illness rather than mental health conditions. So the reality is, how do we arrest the problem before we get to dark places where I have been recently? I think that there are several things we can do. First, if we know that we have a predisposition to mental illness, whether by family genetics or a previous encounter, we should always be aware that it can return any time. The body becomes stressed by external and internal forces. We should never discount the return of a mental illness at any time, even when the external stress does not appear that bad. While many factors can predict when an episode will occur, there exists no straightforward way of determining when or how your body will react to pressures, stresses, or even a trigger moment. Mental illness cannot be treated like the flu or some other short-term ailment where we take some cough medicine and rest for a few days. It should be treated as though it always exists, whether or not you feel symptoms. Second, we should be aware of external pressures, stresses, and triggers. When we feel the pressure of life starting to squeeze us tighter and tighter, we should expect that mental illness will be part of the equation and take steps to both alleviate the pressure and quell the mental illness symptoms. Now, I realize at times we cannot escape the stresses of life. As such, we need to be vigilant about reoccurring mental health concerns and do our best to maintain our emotional health. Third, we should always continue to practice good mental health habits. So often when we start to feel better, we return to our old ways of life. We think we are cured and we go about our business not really maintaining our way of life that has allowed us to maintain our mental health. We take a day or a week off. That can and often is jarring to our mental health, but we are not likely to notice the difference until it is far too late. And we may spend far more time returning to a normal, maintained emotional state than we did away from it. In my experience, once you get away from your maintenance goals and way of life that has allowed for emotional balance, it can take three to four to even ten times the amount of time to regain what, have, what would have been easy to maintain. 
So often we get lax with our medication, our eating habits, exercise, journaling, music, therapy, and everything we do. This is especially true around holidays and year-end when social situations increase, and so do the opportunities to upset a daily or weekly routine. Stress naturally increases around the holiday time frames as we visit with family we may not have seen in many years, go to parties where we may not know many people, and eat foods we don't normally consume, and overall, overall allow ourselves to get outside of our good habits. When we are in a good place with our maintenance and we take a break, it may take a few weeks for symptoms to return. And this can be problematic because we start to believe that we no longer need these good habits. We can fool ourselves into believing that the medication really isn't doing much or that I can put off my exercise for a few days. The longer we go, the worse the outcomes will be. Many individuals struggle deeply after the holidays. And I believe that much of it has to do with our lack of maintenance during those busy days. But in that busyness and the stress it causes will eventually catch up with us. And come January or February, we will feel those symptoms, remind us that we have neglected them. But by then, it will take a mountain of effort to return to a good state of management. The lack of sunlight and warmth during those dark winter days only really compounds the misery. I'm not entirely sure why we as human beings must pass through this breakdown and build-up process. I'm not certain if it just naturally comes to us, or we just tend to be a little lazy, or if we simply don't realize the value of good habits when our symptoms are minimized. But I have noticed that almost everyone passes through these counterproductive phases where we are really good with our maintenance, and then we slip for a while until all of a sudden we are in the middle of a crisis again. I can't tell you how many times I have gone off and on medications, only to find myself back where I started. One would think that I would learn to be consistent, understanding that it is consistency that is providing for the stable condition. And I still struggle to understand the why, but what I do know is that it happens. We are so much better off when we do things that provide for a stable emotional state rather than bounce between consistency and complacency. I know that it takes commitment and determination, and those don't come easy when mental illness comes to call on us. Perhaps that is my message today. Consistency is the key to emotional stability. Yes, we will still have our ups and downs, but they will be minor in comparison to bouncing around the complacency, the complacency bouncy house. What I have also noticed during this time frame of trouble I experienced is just how detrimental it is to our spirituality to go through the breakdown and build-up process. I struggled deeply during these last few months as I have been teaching seminary. I don't think that the students have noticed other than I was gone for a couple of days. The Lord was certainly understanding and allowed me to teach without too many issues. But outside of those small teaching moments, I was grasping for anything I could feel spiritually. I noticed my scripture reading waning along with my temple attendance, and with that came prayers that I think sometimes didn't get much through the ceiling. So much of our physical world and mental illness affects our spiritual nature, and when we are lax, maintaining our mental health, it can drastically affect our spiritual nature and the personal revelation we receive. We can feel as though we are being punished in some way, or that God does not now care for us, or that if he does care for us, he certainly isn't showing it. 
I don't think that our Father or Savior stand in heaven saying, well, this is what you've chosen when you don't maintain your mental health. Maybe this time you will stick with it rather than let a few things go. I don't think he's so desirous to punish us for becoming lax in our attentiveness to the illness. I believe him to be a loving and understanding and most of all merciful. But I realized that if he saved us every time we decided to go off our medications or quit exercising or eating a healthy diet or whatever we are doing to maintain our emotional well-being, we probably wouldn't learn much. And so I am certain that his response is a mixture of mercy with a dose of reality. We recently taught something in seminary that I think is very applicable to mental health. The Lord was talking to his people about rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. He noted all the problems they were experiencing because they weren't doing what he had asked. His question was penetrating. Consider your ways. He basically said, it is your ways that are the problem. If you would fix a few things, purify yourself and build the temple, I would bless you. But you have to do your part. Otherwise, I cannot do mine. So often this is the case with mental illness. We haven't yet met the threshold of what we need to do before the Lord can invoke the true blessings. And then we whine and complain about how miserable our lives are. And we ask the Lord why he isn't helping us, but then we continue in our similar, let's call them stupid, pathways. Now remember, stupidity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. If we desire the Lord's help, then we need to do what he asks of us. And that just isn't reading scriptures and going to the temple. We need to eat healthy. We need to exercise. Take our medications as prescribed. Listen to good music. Avoid stressful situations as much as possible. Meditate. Go to therapy appointments and maintain a healthy, balanced weight. We need to be obedient in all ways to maintain our mental health. And then, while we are doing that, the Lord can provide his help to the process. I often think that he is just waiting for us to comply so that he can bless us. He desires to bless us and bring mercy to our cause, but he can't do so unless we do our part. So as I have said at the end of each of these podcasts, do your part so that the Lord can do his. Until next week.